This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. From Studio A inside the Rick L. and Vicki L. James University Center, this is Trine Line. I'm James Tu, Assistant Vice President for Content and Communications at Trine University, and this is the Trine Line Podcast. Trine University President Dr. John Shannon will discuss some of the latest happenings at Trine University and issues in higher education. Thank you, Dr. Shannon, for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. So there have been two major events since our last podcast, homecoming and your inauguration. Uh, can you share some brief reflections on each event and how, how they went? Sure. Well, homecoming is this time for our alum to come back to campus to see all of the wonderful things that have really transformed our campus into what it is today. And it's interesting. It doesn't matter if they graduated 20 years ago or five years ago. The comments are typically the same. It's wow, so much has happened, so much development, so much new construction and and so forth on the campus. And and inevitably, they're all going to say the campus looks beautiful. And it does. We have are so fortunate to have a campus that has the the curb appeal that Trine University does. It's a beautiful campus. In any case, homecoming was wonderful. The fact that we had a couple thousand people watching the football game and we won, that uh, didn't hurt any either. It was a fun game to watch. But more than that, it was a great opportunity for our faculty and staff to reconnect with our alum and to welcome them back to our campus. You mentioned the the curb appeal, you know, kind of wrapped up in that is the new Best Hall expansion that we dedicated at Homecoming. Um, How is it to see that new facility online? And again, just I know I've heard out in the community a lot of comments about, you know, wow, this is just so, so visually appealing as you're driving by on 20. And, and that's what we we wanted that, and boy, did we get it. It's very impressive to see the seal of the university over the front doorway of the new Best Hall or Best Hall 3 or whatever it is we're calling it, because it's actually an addition to an addition to the 1967 Best Hall building. So uh, it's we've expanded it in total by over 70,000 square feet. Uh, but to have that sort of facade of Best Hall that faces 20. Every car that goes by can just look over and you can see it whether it's daytime or nighttime. Looks great, wonderful job done by our team and the marketing. Uh, as well as the JICI construction people. And then reflect a little bit on your inauguration ceremony. I know that was yeah. you know, a, a time of, of looking at a lot of different uh, relationships with the university, and you in particular, you had family involvement. Maybe just share a little bit of reflection about that. It was a wonderful event. I was very humbled throughout the event. It was uh, an opportunity for different groups, important stakeholder groups, to be represented during the ceremony, to be feel a part of the process of inaugurating the next president, the 17th president of Trine University, from the mayor of Angola representing the community to we had some a faculty member represented faculty, a staff member represented staff. We had someone representing the administration. We had the uh, president of the Alumni Association uh, represent the alum. Uh, we had two students that spoke to represent students. One was international, representing international students. It was just, uh, we tried to make it as inclusive of an of a, of a event as we possibly could. 
And again, I was extremely humbled by it. And uh, of course, with the board members there, and that's uh, uh, the ones that did the installment or the installation of me as the next president. And uh, again, wonderful event overall for me. It was humbling. And uh, the last thing I'll add is even my children participated. As you said, two of my children, my, my, my daughter was also there, my older daughter with, with uh, two grandchildren. And I had brothers and sisters there as well. So it was a, a, an important time for our family as well. In your inaugural address, you highlighted two challenges facing higher education in general and, by extension, impacting Trine in particular. The first thing you mentioned was declining college enrollment. Maybe for those who didn't get a chance to hear your address, what are the factors that are causing that decline in uh, college enrollment in general? Yeah, so across the United States, when we, if we focus just on undergraduate enrollment, and undergraduate enrollment really impacts our main campus here in Angola, across the nation, enrollment has been down at the, at the undergraduate level every year for the last 12 years. Every year, it's gone down. And part of that is a negative demographic of high school graduates, meaning fewer, high school, fewer kids are graduating from high school each year. Thus, there's a smaller pool from which universities get enrollments. Added to that, so that's part of it, and that has led to this 12-year decline in enrollment. But added to that is a more recent decline in the percentage of high school graduates who are opting to attend college. As an example, in Indiana last fall, the fall of 22, 53% of the high school graduates from May of 22 enrolled in college the fall of 22, 53%, which is the lowest percentage on record in the state of Indiana. And it's reflective of the situation across the country where more high school graduates are deciding not to go to college and to get jobs, primarily because so many jobs are available. Someone told me recently, for every unemployed person, there is one and a half open jobs available meaning there are far more jobs available than we even we have unemployed people. So this is good for high school graduates if they want to work. So that has contributed to this decline in enrollment. And looking forward is the enrollment cliff. And that is something that will hit us in about two years. And where, what it stems from is the Great Recession of 2008. And what happened after that recession, there was a significantly lower birth rate across the United States, significantly lower, that lasted for about five years. So those kids are going to graduate high school in about two years, two to three years. Once that starts, we'll have a period of about five years, a very significantly lower pool of high school graduates. And if those high school graduates are also continuing to to decide not to go to college, it's going to make it extremely competitive for universities to attract students for enrollment. And so that was really the background. So what kind of impact has this had on higher education as a whole? Mm, It's been devastating in some cases. In the last four years, about on average 11 or 12 universities have shut down each year. We've had 40, I think now that it's up to 48 universities in the last four years shut down. This year, six have already shut down, six more. And by the end of this year, it'll probably reach another 10 or 11 universities nationwide. So we're getting close to 60 universities in a five-year period. 
that have, that have closed forever. And they're closing because they're not en- enrolling enough students. You can't have a university if you don't have students. And, and so it can be devastating. Yeah, I know even um, Finlandia, who we played sports against, they just closed this, I think, this past year. And, you know, that was an institution that had been around for a while. I, I believe I read that it was uh, the only private college in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Correct. Yeah, it's, it, it, so it shows it's, it's hit home here for us with Finlandia no longer in our hockey conference. They, uh, they shut down in May, and um, they're the only university in, the, in America established by Finnish immigrants, and thus it was called Finlandia, and they just couldn't make payroll. So recently, Aldis, Alderson brought us in West Virginia, another university well over 100 years old. Uh, we've had alum from there who worked for, for Trine, and uh, they shut down for forever. They they went bankrupt. And when you can't pay your bills, you can't operate. So they have shut down. So even though college enrollment as a whole is declining, like you said, for a dozen years it has been, we here at Trine continue to experience record enrollment. We've got uh, more than 13,000 students now enrolled across all our locations and platforms. And even here on the Angola campus, we had more than 2,400 students this fall, which was a record. Uh, what do you think has allowed trying to buck that trend of declining enrollment? We look at enrollment from so many different angles. We buck the trend by trying things that many other universities aren't willing to do. For example, we've got on the uh, dual enrollment side, Anywhere between 1,500 and 2,000 high school students taking courses with Trine. This, we're in over 40 high schools across the state and into Michigan and, and elsewhere. 40 high schools. And we're doing that. Uh, it, it's not for revenue. We're doing that in a way. What that does, it spreads the word to these students that Trine is a great place to take university courses and to pursue a degree. It's sort of almost like free marketing for us. So many other universities aren't willing to do it. I don't understand why they're not willing to, but we certainly are. We have a very robust dual enrollment program. So that's, that's one thing that we do. But we look at things at, on our main campus. Our programs, this is the other thing that helps us. Every one of our academic programs leads to a career. We will not offer a major if it doesn't lead to a job period. So the two criteria for the majors that we have across Trine University, one has to lead to a job on the, so when students graduate, but also it has to be of interest to prospective students. It could be a great major that leads to jobs, but if no one's interested in it, we, can't, we just can't afford to, to offer that. So those are the two primary um, criteria that helps us with enrollment. Students know when they come to Trine, they're going to graduate and get a job. We've had 99% job placement for the past 11 years in a, a row. That does not happen by chance. Not 11 straight years. That's a pattern. That's consistent. And it shows how much attention we give to preparing our students for careers, not just jobs. Jobs, they get the job, but they are so prepared they can turn that job into a career. That's what we want for our students. That's our focus in all that we do. That helps us. And then let's look at what we do with trying online. Trying online, the online world is very um, inconsistent. It's variable. You have highs and lows. It's a difficult market, but we 
are all in and doing our best to help find ways to attract students who want to, these, typically these are adults, but to attract students who are interested in coming to, to study with Trine University online. On top of that, so we have Trine Online undergrad. We also have graduate programs that are both online and hybrid. And that makes it appealing to students who already have perhaps a career, but they want to up their skills and get better jobs and make more money and so forth. So they study in our our graduate programs. On top of that, we have the Fort Wayne campus. What we're doing in Fort Wayne, currently at Carew Street, next fall we'll be at our new location in Fort Wayne, just north of Union Chapel and Parkview. So we have an entire college of health professions. These are uh, majors that are in that the healthcare industry that attract the kind of students they typically are good students who want to help their community they have that sort of intrinsic motivation to study and when they graduate they get good jobs so we, we have that as well and on top of that we reach out into the high schools not just with dual enrollment but we're looking at certificate training programs for high school students so that while they're in high school they can be skilled up ready for jobs if they if they're not going to go to college fine what they can do with trying is get the skills necessary to be successful in in the workforce while also that converting that to college credit while also they can take dual enrollment courses so that when they graduate high school they can have as many as 30 credits completed they're halfway to an associate degree they can get that job and continue their education with an online associates which could also be an online uh, bachelor's degree so we're in high schools on the certificate side as well and what certificates do is create pathways pathways toward university degrees might not happen next year but it could happen five years down the road 10 years down the road it's all about pathways now we have to be cognizant of that and we have to be on board and proactive so that even with credentials i'll just one last thing to say credential they have micro credentials there are millions literally millions of micro credentials being offered in the united states today what needs to be done is these micro credentials need to be bundled so that they can be converted to a credential those credentials then need to be bundled so they can lead to a certificate the certificates need to be bundled so they can lead to a degree it's pathways from micro credentials to credentials to to certificates to university degrees and you can do these at the undergrad and graduate level and we're doing them at trine so our students in their bachelor's degree programs even here on whether on the main campus or trine online are taking courses that have folded into the course a certificate that's professionally recognized that they can put on their resume yeah i have a degree in in x but i also have these certificates that i got through my studies at trine all of these kinds of thinking outside of the box innovative ways to deliver instruction and help educate our students here at trine all of them taken together have contributed to our our record historic enrollments that we're seeing from main campus 2400 students uh 750 new students all-time record here in our angola campus and the 13,000 total students which is uh sort of beyond anything we imagined and still growing so i think it's because we're we're willing to do things in a different way to constantly try to improve what we do to be willing to change things up um, in order to get better results those are the factors that contribute to trying having such uh, such success 
where enrollment is concerned, even in this environment of declining enrollment elsewhere. And you mentioned uh, that probably in two years or so, we're going to hit that uh, enrollment cliff where it really, at least in terms of the traditional undergraduate population, really drops off. Uh, what do you th- what do you think we'll do going forward to, I don't know, mitigate that or anything? I mean, obviously you listed a lot uh, just now, but is there anything else you see us doing going forward to continue to draw in those students from what will be a smaller population? So I might not see other things that we'll be doing two, three years from now. I might not see that right now, but I'm looking, and we're all looking. And that's the key. We have to be willing to, to say what we're doing now is good, even great. But if we want it to continue to be good, make turn the good into the great, we have to do things differently. You can't continue doing the same thing over and over again and, and expect to have better results. So if we want better results, we're going to have to continue to up our game. It's on us to do that. And so that's the message and that's the environment that we live and work in here at Trine University. We're going to continue to look for ways to attract students. Enrollment's the obstacle, so that has to become the focus. We can't ignore it. Any university that ignores this cliff, they must do so at their own peril because doing nothing is going to probably lead to huge difficulties for these kind of universities. So at Trine, we're going to keep focus our focus on enrollment. What can we do better? How can we do a better job attracting students? For us, it's not can we do something? Can we buck the trend? Can we continue to enroll more students? No, that's not the question to ask. The question is, how can we do it? We can do it, but how can we do it? That's the key question. It's asking about having the same outcome, but from a different perspective. The possibilities, of course, are there. All these challenges lead to enormous opportunities. You just have to identify the opportunities and take advantage of them as they're there in front of us. And that sometimes means allocating resources to whatever it is you're trying to do. Might be you, you can't do it right now because you don't have the right software program. So you got to purchase that. You got to invest in it. Or you don't have enough people. You, so you have to hire people. And that's how you scale up. And that's what we're, we've been doing over and over and over again for the last five years is scaling up. We keep growing at such a fast rate. We scale up, scale up, scale up. And that will continue as we go forward. We're not afraid of our success. Yes, we have challenges. And yes, it, we, there are risks involved. And, and yes, failure is going to happen here and it's going to happen there. But we can't be afraid to go forward because we've been so successful today. We've got to keep making these changes, right? Otherwise, what was successful today, people will figure out what we're doing. They'll do it. They'll start doing it better. They'll pass us. So we got to keep thinking ahead of that. What can we do better? The second challenge you mentioned in your inaugural address was the perception that the benefits of higher education don't outweigh the the cost. Why do you think people have that perception? They're bombarded with information through the media of how how expensive higher education is, how much debt that students have. They hear horror stories about a student graduating or not even graduating with with whatever degree not getting a job and having $100,000 of debt and so on and so forth. Yeah, there are stories like that out there. You don't hear those stories at Trine. Again, part of the reason you don't hear those stories at Trine is because we only have majors that lead to jobs. 
Our students graduate and get jobs. Our average debt of students who graduate is about $27,000, which is less than the national average, which is $37,000. But even at $37,000 of debt, you think about it, the average car loan is $20,000. The average mortgage is $220. So when you invest, what is the return? When someone has a university degree, they make more money than someone who doesn't. There's real data, go to the Bureau of Labor Statistics and it'll show you that at every level of education, right up the scale, from those who don't complete high school to high school grads, to those who just take some college courses, to those who get associates, bachelors, masters, onto doctorates, at every level, annual income rises and at every level, unemployment rate decreases. That's a fact. The more education someone has, typically the more money they're going to make and the more job security they're going to have. It's a fact. But they're not hearing that. What, what people are hearing in the media, they're hearing two things. They're hearing one, uh, it's so expensive to go to college, it's not worth it. And two, there's so many jobs available. Why not just get a job? And I, and I understand that part. If you can get a job and, and make, you know, right out of high school, make $20 an hour, that's appealing. That's tempting. So I, I get that. And I understand on the flip side, if they're going to end up paying, you know, that much money or more for their college degree, it's, it's uh, inhibiting, right? And, and they, they weigh that and they think it's better to just get the job. But, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday about someone's been successful in their life, but never completed their, their undergraduate degree. And, and she said, I wish I had finished my degree. And I didn't, I mean, she's the one that brought up the topic with me. She ha- and, ha- and she has been successful in life. But there's more to the return on investment with a, a degree than just how much money you make and how much job security. There's also, it's an opportunity in one's life to grow as a person and to develop and be formed in a way where the focus is on learning. Imagine four years in an environment where every day the focus is on learning. That's what we do at a university. We focus on helping our students learn. That's our environment. You can't replace that by working in a factory. You just, it's just not the same environment. Yes, you can get a decent paying job in a factory. And, and I'm not downplaying that. I understand that. But the environment that we have at that crucial age for students is not replicable outside of higher ed. So there's great value in attending a university. The other side of that is, is taking a degree online. There's great value in doing that too. And I guess the, the one advantage to that is you kind of get the best of both worlds. You can have a job and go to school and, and, and study you know, on your own time schedule. So people have jobs. That doesn't mean they can't continue to pursue their degrees. How many people on our own campus who have bachelor's degrees have continued their education online to get master's degrees here at Trine? There you go, James. You're, you're an example right there. So many. And why? Because they value the education and the, the environment of being in a class, even in an online environment. So it's a false narrative to say, don't go to college because it's expensive and you're going to go into debt. It, it's missing the point completely of the value of higher education and, and the importance that you know, if you're looking at it financially, how much more money you'd make by having that degree is significant. It's a long-term investment, though. You got to look at it over the lifetime of, of your career, 
how much more a person would make with that bachelor's degree or that master's or that if they even want to continue on and get a doctorate. It's statistically significant. Every level, it goes up. So we have to fight that perception that there's a low return on investment in higher education. It's false. And, you know, as I, as I mentioned in my inauguration, there's a, the other part too. People who are more highly educated tend to have a higher, not only a higher income, better job st- stability, but a, a higher quality of life. They, they, they tend to be healthier. They live longer. They're more likely to vote and to, um, to be involved in, in volunteer work. They're more philanthropic. Their quality of life is significantly higher than their peers who don't have that same level of education. And that's just statistically, you can look at that and and see it. It comes out crystal clear. These are facts and, and important ones. So we should not downplay what we're doing. We should actually promote what we do in higher education. It's of great value. One thing I kind of picked up on from what you were talking about earlier, you said, you know, that a high school student can graduate and get a job. But you said here at Trine, we we prepare our students for careers. And I think that maybe there's a fundamental difference in those uh, those outcomes. Maybe you could speak to that a little bit. So so when I when we say like a high school graduate, they're they're getting jobs. What employers are finding with this workforce of, of 18 year olds coming out of high school is they have gaps in their knowledge, skills, and abilities. They have real gaps. And so I believe what universities should be doing is reaching out to industry and saying, what are those gaps in the knowledge, skills, and abilities of, of the the new employees that they're hiring? So that we can actually partner with industry and provide training and educational opportunities to help develop their employees. So they don't necessarily have to even attend college uh, full-time or anything like that, but but rather can work in bits and chunks and upskill here and upskill there while converting that training into college credit to show them, yes, you can do college work. Uh, and we can deliver that to you while you're working because we know that employers want their employees to have stronger skills uh, while they're working for them. And they don't want them necessarily to leave either, right? Mm-hmm. They want retention of employees. We can help with that. What do you see Trine University doing going forward to, again, help combat this misperception of the return on investment for higher education? So we have to continue to spread the word that um, higher education is extremely valuable. I think that our 99% job placement rate, we've done a pretty good job promoting that. We need to continue doing so, saying, you know, come to Trine, you're going to graduate and get a job. And and it's going to be a job uh, that will lead to a career for you if um and we ultimately what we want for our students is they turn the career into a professional calling and that's something that uh, that we don't have as much control over that but that's what we want for our graduates is that they do what makes them feel like they're doing they were meant to do it that's what we want more than anything but for them to be able to understand and see and conceptualize and set those kind of goals and, and then realize hey i am doing significant something significant for my community that's something we can help them develop over time. And so in terms of, you know, what else we can do, um, I think that part of it is to combat negative press um, that's out there about universities and, and their, their cost and their value. 
because if you really drill down and look at, at the cost and the value of higher education, it's significant. And I guarantee that students that come to college and graduate and follow their dream are going to be much better situated for career success than those who don't do that. I guarantee that. Is there anything else that higher education as a whole should be doing to, again, combat the false narrative? We need to really establish a strong dialogue with industry. It's an interesting time in higher education right now. We get so many people on the political side who are promoting change in the high school curriculum from uh, whatever the traditional core curriculum was to a curriculum that has more of an industrial um, base to it. So that we're providing students with skills that they can take and find jobs with, right? And so what's important from my perspective, and I think for higher ed, is that we don't view this as either or, but rather we need to be working together with industry to have, again, getting back to these kind of programs that have pathways within them. So the student could stop out at any point in the, along the path and follow that path toward the job they want and continue in that job. But there's another path, the next path that they can continue on with their education. So education and work, work or workforce development and preparation should be running side by side in conjunction with one another. And that means that we need, we at the university level need to be in open communication with industry so that we're preparing our students in ways that meet their needs because ultimately our students will be working in industry. And that doesn't matter when I say industry, it doesn't have to be industrial. It could be criminal justice and becoming a police officer. It could be education and becoming a teacher and so forth. That's in those industries. Yeah, we need to just have better communication uh, and, and create these channels of communication so that we understand each other and we understand what they need so that we can help meet the needs. Once again, thank you, Dr. Shannon, for joining me today. Well, thank you for, again for having me. Check back for more insights from Dr. Shannon on the next Trineline podcast. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.